0: Hey there, welcome to the tent. I'm your host, Scott Felman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, I come back to some themes over and over and over again, as most of you know. And one of the things that I've been obsessed with over the years, and I'm not sure why, is this search for fishes that are found in blackwater habitats that aren't usually associated with blackwater habitats. For example, um, I've been obsessed with finding live bearing fishes that come from blackwater habitats. Now, yeah, I have no idea why my obsession exists with this, but I can't let go of the idea that some wild live bear somewhere can be found naturally occurring in blackwater habitats. And if you're a fan of this podcast, and I know two or three of you might be, you're well aware of my bizarre obsessions with things. And how I get on these tangents and just keep researching something that I either have a hunch about or just become flat out obsessed with. This is one of those cases, so you're going to have to bear with me, but I want to bring you up to date on my latest discoveries here. So as you know, other than some guppies or the occasional molly, I've never been this like huge live bear guy. I mean, I love live bears. I can scarcely identify anything other than the big three, you know, guppies, mollies, platies. I mean, really, I mean, maybe, maybe a gambusia or some others, but that's it. Now, one irrelevant fact is I did have a fish called Zugonecticus tequila once though. I bought it at one of those, um, at a big, uh, fish auction on the East coast when I was visiting and it was like an endangered fish and it just had a cool name, you know, Zugonecticus tequila. I thought, ah, that sounds kind of cool. turns out it's kind of an ugly fish, but interesting. And, um, I kept it and and got it to reproduce a few times and finally gave it away to somebody that was better equipped to handle them. But yeah, that was my, my claim to fame for exotic live bears. Anyway, this obsession that I have is really weird though. And I can't let it go. Like, why am I so obsessed? Yeah, black water live bears, don't get it. Anyway, I know there've been transplanted species that have been found in all sorts of places around the tropical world, but I'm still trying to find examples or an example of a species native to blackwater habitats. I don't care if the fish is gray, chromatically uninspired, or just plain dull. I just think it would be cool to find one that could be biologically appropriate for one of our Blackwater Botanical Method Aquariums. Now, you think I'm being a little childish or unreasonable about this? I mean, perhaps, but I long ago gave up the fantasy of there somehow being a bright red, you know, dwarf black ghost knife fish or something and made peace with the original one. So I think I'm good with the universe at this point. I've kind of made peace. It's interesting to say the least. Now, one of the things I learned a long time ago is that in doing some of the necessary homework on such an endeavor, you inevitably stumble on some fishes that you think are viable candidates, only to just be schooled by fish base experts or other references that kind of dash your hopes along the way. It's no different with this search. However... Rather than utilize only hobbyist-level resources, this time I went into the dusty halls, metaphorically of course, of the scholarly ichthyological world. Remember my previous searches for the half-mythical Amazon molly, this is years ago, that fish that had this common, tantal, this tantalizing common name? I researched the shit out of it, only to find out that the Amazon part came of the common name was because of its unique reproductive strategy, not its natural range. And that totally took the, you know, wind out of my sails, as they say. But I didn't come up too disappointed this time. I found some genera, which might actually be non-coastal confined, non-brackish water, non-hard and alkaline water live bears. Genuine, interesting candidates. It's a start, at least. Now, lest you get too excited that there's this super colorful live out there, which lives in Blackwater, and has just somehow evaded the hobby and all the famous live bear experts for the last century, let me just burst your bubble right away, okay? Most of these are, in no particular order, gray, not typically found in the aquarium hobby, really obscure, and, oh, did I mention gray? (laughs) That being said, I have a few that do intrigue me for some reason. Now, my first target genus is Fluvaphylax, which contains right now, I think five described species, not one of which anyone who's not a native fisherman, lifetime member of the American Library Association, or doesn't have the letters PhD after his or her name has even heard of, let alone seen. Now, these are rather interesting fishes distinguished by really large, relative to their body size, almost creepy looking eyes. The absence of a Gonopodium in the males, and the usual complete lack of color, seemingly common to pretty much every obscure fish in the world. (laughs) So, you know, that's what they get. Despite the creepy eyes and the complete lack of anything resembling color, they're tantalizing to me because the genus is apparently endemic to the Amazon and the Orinoco region, including habitats like lakes, swamps, and floating meadows. Appropriately, the first species listed in the genus is Fluvophylax obscurum, I love that name, which drew me in from the start, and its native range is listed as, wait for it, Upper Rio Negro Basin. Ooh, that's interesting. Of course, that's a really big geographic area, and because it's in the region, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's you know all about decomposing leaves and dark, soupy water. That being said, some references have it listed pretty far inland, well into Blackwater country, so yeah. Maddingly, though, no reference I could find to, to any type localities mentioned the specific water chemistry of the collection sites. However, one cool thing is its diet, which always makes me smile. Its diet is described as autothonus microalgae and detritus and allochthonous invertebrates. We know what that means, right? Music to my ears. Anyway, got to find me some of these, right? Now, interestingly, I was also told by some people definitely in the know that fluva phylax is actually considered an egg-laying killifish. So I guess my information might be flawed or perhaps misinterpreted. This will not be the first time, of course. We may have to take this one out of the live bear category after all. I don't know. And of course, one hardcore scientific paper I stumbled on provided all sorts of chromosomal analytics and stuff way over my metaphorical pay grade, but couldn't clarify this. In fact, the discussion section included this beauty of a line. All species but the type Fluvophylax pygmaeus have been described in the late 1990s and much remains unknown about the biology, taxonomy, and systematics of this group of fishes. Now, that's helpful, right? Regardless, this is an unusual species of Ciprinodon, whatever it is. Now, my next candidate has to be the genus Pamphroichthys. Now, this genus contains six described species, all of which look like, well, how can I say it? They look like butt-ugly wild mollies. Of course, 75% of the people outside the live geek community would immediately tell you that. All wild mollies are kind of ugly scotch, so I'm staying out of that debate. Interestingly, though, they are more closely linked to mollies than any other type of live bearer. So even with my relative lack of knowledge about mollies, maybe I'm onto something. I don't know. They are true undisputed live bears, which is cool. And the interesting part about these fishes is their range. The genus name means fertile fish, which might tell you something here. In addition to the Amazon orinoco Guyana region, its members are found in the Tapajos and the Zingu habitats. All that, although not really blackwater, are kind of in our softer acidic target range, ones we've played with before. I'm getting closer, right? Now, one type locality mentioned for uh, one of the species is Paraguay River Drainage also kind of close to where we're thinking about, you know, water-wise, right? The typical pH of the Paraguay River is 5.8 to 7.4 in the upper part and 6.3 to 7.9 in the lower part of the river. So it's like all over the place. And of course, the Paraguay River ranges from being described as sediment-rich water to clear. I mean, I've seen pics of this river looking brown, but, and of course, it just said Paraguay River drainage. It didn't say the upper Paraguay River drainage. You know, range uh, uh, range of the drainage, which would be the five point eight to seven point four part, and of course the lower part is six point three to seven point nine. So it could still run soft and acidic. We we don't know. Ah, anyway, and then we have a species called Alfaro cultrotus, which hails from Costa Rica, Panama, and Nicaragua, and is supposedly found in you know creeks, streams, and other waters, which in with an average pH of six point eight and hardness of around five degrees of hardness. It's a fish that is kept in the hobby and even has a common name known as the knife live bear. I know a number of live bear uh, specialists who swear that this species does better and looks better in softer, more acidic water, particularly its little reddish highlights in the scales and the fins. No, no, seriously, it has them, even though this fish is gray. And it does have a certain look that would make it fit in with those flashier species, if you look at it closely. Could this be our baby? it could be our best match yet. I mean, Fishbase had this intriguing passage about these species, I'm gonna read it to you. Inhabits waters of low to moderate velocity between zero and 300 meters of elevation. Lives in creeks of more than uh, more than 0.5 meters deep in ditches near shorelines of large rivers. Generally swims in small groups at a depth of 20 centimeters. Insectivorous. the young eat mainly aquatic insects and the adults feed specifically on terrestrial insects. One collection locale was listed as a rapidly flowing rainforest stream. Now, God forbid somebody should whip out a freaking pH meter and find the pH once and for all just so we can answer this question, right? Intriguing, isn't it? But a perfect fit? Hell no. I mean, it's from a rainforest stream and that could mean anything. (sighs) Okay, I'm going crazy over this, but I'm really probably trying to fit a square peg in a round hole or whatever. But it shows you the depth that an obsessed guy will go to to try to find something. Now, the reality is that many of the live bears encountered in the trade and often in the wild were introduced from other areas. Because of their adaptable nature, you're likely to find them in a huge range of habitats ranging from brackish water, which is cool, to soft acidic water. However, it seems to me that most of the species come from more coastal locales and the water might be colored through silt and mud as opposed to black water, which geeks like me are fascinated with. And of course, inevitably, after all of this tedious research, I've once again found that there are tons of cool, often obscure live bears that we can keep in brackish water, estuary-themed tanks, which is awesome, right? So all is not lost, there's always something cool to think about. Inevitably, some live bear fan out there somewhere will have some tips for me, likely something sort of reminiscent of, stay the fuck out of this shit, Felman, you don't understand these fishes, your research is flawed, and you're fantasizing here. And I get that, I respect that. And look, it may simply be that there are no truly blackwater live bears. I mean, there are other similar fishes which could satisfy my obsession. Hello, rivulus. But I have this thing about finding some live bears which fill the profile here. Maybe have a lead on some species that I haven't thought of. Maybe it's right in front of my own face. I mean, I know there's probably some guy out there who's found a whole group of endlers that were released into a blackwater pond in Florida or something. But that's not what I'm talking about here. We need something naturally occurring in this type of habitat. Is one out there swimming you know, contentedly in some tannin-stained black water somewhere in South America? Perhaps, or perhaps not. Either way, it, it has been kind of fun looking for something that likely doesn't even exist. It's the kind of fish geek stuff that makes you, well, a fish geek, right? Yeah, sure does. And I sure am a fish geek. Perhaps a stubborn, delusional, obsessed with the wrong thing fish geek, but a fish geek nonetheless. And I own a company that sells twigs and nuts to fellow fish geeks. that's pretty damn good. My advice to you, as if you need it, be a geek. Follow your weird obsessions, whatever they might be. And don't be afraid to share them. Stay obsessive. Stay relentless. Stay curious. Stay diligent. Stay passionate. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. And I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The tin.